Hey, it's Dan Leach. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Detroit CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angle for all the Detroit teams and the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans as well. If you're from Detroit or a fan of any of the Detroit or college teams in the Michigan area and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe, follow, and listen to the Detroit CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Detroit CityCast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in. Happy Manic Monday. Hey, if you're a Lions fan, good news. They didn't lose. It's because they didn't play. But hey, don't worry about that. Lions will get back to work this coming Sunday against the Steelers, who of course play tonight on Monday Night Football against fellow NFC North mate, the Chicago Bears. Uh, all I'm going to tell you is I think the Bears are in big trouble against the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. Monday Night Football. Uh, I lay the seven on Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to win that game. Going away, bad night for Justin Strawberry Field. So we'll see how that plays out. But we're going to get into a, a few big things on the show today. The new CFP rankings will be out on Tuesday night. And I'm going to talk to you about where I think Michigan and Michigan State will be. And should Michigan be ahead of the Spartans, even though Michigan State beat them, and then Michigan State lost to an unranked Purdue. And also, it's becoming clear, it seems like, that Jared Goff is not going to be the long-term answer for the Lions. Doesn't mean that he can't end up being that if he has a great second half, which I don't think is going to happen. And the question becomes, what do you do with him? What do you do with the upcoming draft? Uh, Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, some of the the top-level, possibly overall number one, top five picks, consensusly with some of these mock drafts and people that cover uh, these these things, you know, much deeper than I do. They played terrible. Spencer Rattler got you know benched. Sam Howell's not been great for US uh, for UNC. So is it about waiting to 2023 you know, to, to draft a quarterback? Uh, or is it trying to get one in this draft and signing a free agent like a Teddy Bridgewater or someone else like that? We'll get into that as well. But I want to go right to the Motown betting window. And it's presented by our great friends at Bet Rivers. A bunch of stuff to get to. We got the Michigan-Penn uh, State game in the line out on that one. We got Michigan State and Maryland. Got a Lions prop for you. But let's start with uh, Michigan and Penn State. And we thought this game was going to be a, a night game, you know, a whiteout in Happy Valley. It is not. It's a noon game. And that will be in the land of Beaver Country. This line opened uh, at Bet Rivers around Penn State 1. It's up to 1.5 right now at Bet Rivers. The Nittany Lions minus 1.5, minus 104. Michigan plus 1.5, minus 118. And, and, and once again, you know, we've talked about what home field does when it comes to releasing lines. And a lot of times, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes it doesn't. But when you look at this line, Penn State a one or one and a half point favorite, basically what Vegas and the, the odds makers believe is that Michigan is favored because Penn State's going to get at least three points. Some teams in college get three and a half, four points for home field advantage. And listen, I've been to, I've been to, to Penn State. It's they have a pretty insane home field advantage. It's really loud there. Obviously, a lot different uh, during the day, like for a noon game, than it is at night. But that's that's a huge advantage for them. And basically, what Vegas is saying is Michigan's almost a two or three point favorite. But uh, you know, Penn State's minus the one and a half because they get the three points for being at home, three or four. And you look at the Nittany Lions. You know, 
six and three right now. They they just beat Maryland last week, but after losing Sean Clifford, they've gotten it back. They just really were not playing good football. They lost to Iowa. That was a tough game for them. They lost to Illinois. That was an embarrassing loss for them. You know, they lost by only nine at, Penn, at Ohio State. I gave you Penn State plus 18 and a half uh, a couple weeks ago. So Penn State's a talented team. But Michigan, after the tough loss to Michigan State, and after, you know, kind of sleepwalking for a little bit at, at the big house under the lights against Indiana, they should, they should based on their talent level, and if Cade McNamara you know, doesn't turn the ball over, which he's only done once in his career in that Nebraska game. Michigan should win this game. And, you know, they still don't control their own destiny, the Wolverines do, until Michigan State would have a second loss. And if that happens, the Wolverines would control their destiny. So early lead for me is that I'm going to be taking Michigan in this game. And I know that that didn't work out so well against the Spartans. I was very confident they would win this game, but early in the game against Michigan State. But this game, to me, I'm not nearly as nervous about I think Michigan will be ready for this one. The fact they're getting some points right now is a, is a positive thing to me. That might end up changing as the week goes on. If the Sharps end up putting some cash on Michigan, you might see Michigan minus a one, minus one, closer to game time. Uh, and that the public's going to bet Michigan regardless. So it's already probably built in right now. It, it probably could have opened, you know, this game, uh, Michigan or uh, Penn State minus two or two and a half. But of course, with all the people that bet on Michigan regardless being a public team, it's one and a half right now at Bet Rivers. Penn State favor the money line, by the way. Uh, if you're going to take Penn State, you might as well take the money line. It's minus 113. Uh, and it's minus 104, minus one and, a, one and a half. So why not just take the money line? Uh, Michigan money line minus 108. And the total is 48 uh, over under both are minus 110. So that's Michigan and Penn State noon on Saturday. How about the Spartans? The Spartans, after their brutal, tough loss, to Purdue, and, and Purdue's this, just this insane giant killer that has beaten now 17 top five teams as an unranked team, the most in FBS history, and they beat the number two and three team at that point in this season, both this year, in Iowa and Michigan State. Uh, but now Michigan State's going to play a, a pretty pretty rough and tumble Maryland team. It's just not that great. They do have two as a younger brother, uh, but Michigan State opens as a 13.5 point favorite right now at Bat Rivers, minus 109. Maryland plus 13.5. Minus 112. The Spartans on the money line, minus 530. Comeback is plus 30 on Maryland, plus 360, excuse me, on Maryland. And the total, a pretty high total in this one, 63.5 over minus 106. And the under, minus 115. And, and listen, Maryland, uh, you know, they, they have a winning record right now. They're 5 and 4. They just lost to Penn State by 17. But when you look at Maryland and what they've done, in recent weeks, they got blasted by Minnesota. They got embarrassed by Ohio State. I know Ohio State embarrasses a lot of teams. Sixty-six to seventeen was the final there. That was a home, that was at Ohio State, and, and they lost to Iowa fifty-one to fourteen. And Iowa's offense is just not that good. So this is a Maryland team that is giving up a ton of points. That really doesn't have any impressive wins on their schedule, other than the opening win against West Virginia. And West Virginia's kind of flailed throughout the season. I think Michigan State can win this game going away, but. It's all about how they recover from that really tough loss to the Purdue Boilermakers. I mean, Michigan State, they still control their own destiny. They win out, they're going to the Big Ten title game, and they win that game, they're going to, to the CFP. But as it stands right now, you've got to recover against a bad team here. And Michigan, not that Indiana's as bad as Maryland, but Michigan kind of struggled in the first half after the loss to Michigan State to Indiana last week, and then they won it going away 29-7. to 
I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what Michigan State does early in this game. Uh, we'll have to monitor the status of Naylor, the receiver who was injured last week and Michigan State really could have used. That's a 4 o'clock start uh, at uh, Spartan Stadium. So we'll monitor that line throughout the week and, and continue to discuss that game. I think Michigan State's got to come out there and and kind of dominate early because if they find themselves you know losing to Maryland or in a really tight game, things could get tricky with the Spartans questioning themselves. This team that has so many transfers and you know a, a, a coach that's in his just full first full year, you want to put these teams away, these Big Ten teams, even the ones that are inferior like a Maryland, and not leave them hanging around for some crazy upsets, which we've seen over the last several weeks, uh, you know, throughout college football and in the Big Ten as well. As I mentioned, the Lions, they are off, or they were off last week, and they come back and play the Steelers in Pittsburgh next Sunday, this coming Sunday. The line out there looks like Pittsburgh minus nine, and of course that could change based on what Pittsburgh does tonight on Monday Night Football against the Bears, so we'll take a look at that. But there is that, that prop still out of Bet Rivers. A number of games won in the regular season for the Lions. The over one and a half, minus 150. The under one and a half, plus 120. I would never in a million years lay that 150 thinking the Lions might win two games because I'm concerned they're going to win one game. If anything, there's value in the under one and a half, plus 120. I think it's a very fair line that Bet Rivers has because they're, they're taxing you to go over. But the value definitely is in the under. But I, betting against the Lions to win a game or two, you know will just come to bite you in the ass. I think the Lions can beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. That might be their Super Bowl this year. They can beat the Vikings. They could possibly, I mean, Denver is in Paris, Dallas. So maybe that Denver game on the road doesn't look that great anymore. And Atlanta, you know, just embarrassed this, not embarrassed, but like just kind of found a way to get by New Orleans. And that Atlanta game looked like a possible win game for the Lions. So uh, right now that, that line is exactly probably where it should be. I would never lay the 150 to go over. Uh, but I think the Lions are going to get one win. It's kind of where I have that right now. One win for the Detroit Lions. Just insane that I picked them to go 4-13. and 13. I thought that was insane and low. And now they might not get a single win. Uh, but I still think the Lions, as we've talked about throughout this last few weeks, it's, I don't want to say it's impossible. You can't say it's next to impossible. But it's so difficult in today's NFL to not win one single game. I mean, the, the Jags just beat the Bills as 14.5 point home dogs. It was a crazy, mind-boggling upset Sunday. In the NFL. I mean, I mentioned the Broncos-Cowboys game. And then the Titans take down the Rams. And Matt Stafford looks like he did at the end of his tenure in Detroit. And I know that the Matt Stafford haters were having great times on Twitter. Mainly from Detroit. Let's give the guy a break. He's played great this year. He's got a, like a 110 passer rating. He's allowed to have one bad game. I think he's going to be fine with that Rams team. But I, I just it's so tough to not win a single game. But the Lions have a lot of issues. And it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. And that's why I wish maybe I would have thrown a couple shekels on the 24-1 to for the Lions to go 0-17 before the season started. But I never would have done that. I'm not rooting for 0-17. The Lions with the Jags winning uh, yesterday in upset fashion. And, uh, you know, some other teams that are, you know, Houston's you know, hung in there and gotten a couple wins. It looks like the Lions are going to be able to get that number one pick and not have an issue with it. Uh, one more thing I wanted to update for you in the Motown betting window is, as we talked about over the weekend, where I thought the Big Ten odds would be updated when they released them, and they've been released now at Bent Rivers. Ohio State just becomes a bigger favorite, minus 335. Wisconsin, I thought Michigan might be the second team, but you can't forget the team in the West in Wisconsin, which, you know, they're going to have a great chance if Wisconsin does come out of the Big Ten West. They're plus 3.5. Michigan's the third favorite. 
at 7-1. to one. But Michigan State, as I said, would definitely be behind Michigan in the odds. And I'm, I'm surprised that the odds are as low as they are, controlling their own destiny. Michigan State is 33-1 to one to win the Big Ten right now at Bet Rivers. 33-1. to one. Iowa, which just looks like a disaster case, is only 40-1. to one. That's not even that much lower than Michigan State. So that's where we're at right now with the odds to win the Big Ten. Michigan, the third favorite at 7-1. to one. Michigan State, which controlled so destiny and has beaten Michigan this year, 33-1 to one off that loss to Purdue. And just to update the up-to-the-second stuff on the CFP, Michigan is the sixth favorite at 25-1. to one. Michigan State, 150-1 to one to win the college football playoff. The Buckeyes are the third favorite. Uh, they are 5-1 to one behind Georgia, who's minus 125. So rare to see one of these college teams, unless maybe Alabama in, in a couple different years, be a favorite at this point in the season, like a minus money favorite. And then Bama is 3.5-1, to one, the second overall favorite. Oklahoma at 12-1, and Oregon at 14-1 before we get to Michigan at 25-1. to one. That's a look at the Motown betting window brought to you by Bet Rivers. We're going to get right into where I think and what I think should happen with the CFP rankings between Michigan and Michigan State when they come out on Tuesday. We'll get right to that. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. The VEASAN Midseason Football Special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vcin.com slash subscribe. All right, friends. So the new CFP rankings are going to come out Tuesday night. We'll obviously react to them for you here on the Detroit CityCast. And you look at, you know, what's going to happen with Michigan and Michigan State. And I'm not trying to create some kind of hot take here and be some kind of crazy Michigan slap at Homer. I've given Michigan State a tremendous amount of credit this year, especially after they beat Michigan. I did not make any excuses, but I've had a lot of fun on Twitter the last couple of days because a lot of people, you know, as we've discussed on this show, uh, this, the rivalry or the sickness, as we call it, want to deflect. And it's so funny, some of the hypocrisy. So, of course, I, I wasn't just, like, trying to make fun of Sparty. I, I definitely have done that at times. I'm not going to say I haven't. But I went out there and I said, listen, I don't care which way you slice it. You know, being the number three team in the CFP, if worthy of that ranking, we know these things are fluid. You know, if they were worthy of that, you cannot lose to a team like Purdue, the way that Michigan State did. It's unacceptable. And of course, good close friends of mine, people on Twitter, not the majority of them, just some, but they were deflecting, saying, oh, we beat you guys. Well, I'm tired of hearing, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I mean, let's say the roles are reversed. I'm a Michigan fan. It's, you know, Michigan just lost to Purdue. I'm not deflecting and saying, oh, we beat you guys. I'm saying, listen, we blew it. We can't come off a win against our rival and beat Michigan State in a huge epic game. And then the next week, obviously, it's a built-in letdown. We know that. But the good teams don't let that happen. And then lose to Purdue. And Purdue's not terrible. 
but Purdue is unranked and they threw for, I think, about 940 yards against that Spartan secondary. I know it was like 500 something, but th- it was an unacceptable loss. And Michigan State fans have stopped trying to deflect on that. And I know it goes both ways, and there's hypocrisy on both sides of the rivalry, but I, I just thought I found, I found it comical and had a lot of fun with some of you. And I'm always, I'm not like a, a, a super troll. We love to have fun with each other, but some of you just were out of control. If you want to check it out, you can see some of the threads on my Twitter at DanLeach971. But like good close friends of mine that have been acting so respectful like I had been, giving Michigan State praise, not believing they were that good of a team, but then definitely after you know, beating Miami and of course beating Nebraska and all the different things they did, saying, you know what, they're worthy of being where they're at. And I was impressed by them. And Peyton Thorne was playing well. And Kenneth Walker was a, uh, you know, a, a fringe and then a legitimate Heisman candidate. And the Michigan State fans, it's like they don't know how to handle the praise or handle the, the sexiness of being number three. They just revert back to what it was like during the little brother days, which we know aren't around anymore. Or calling Michigan little sister and all the nonsense. But this is about what's going to happen with this new CFP rankings. Michigan State, the only team to lose in the top seven. Actually, further than that, but we're just going to worry about that for now because the last rankings had Georgia 1, Bama 2, Sparty 3, Oregon 4, Ohio State 5, Cincinnati 6, and Michigan 7. Of course, Georgia 1, Alabama 1, closer than we thought they would, but they, they're they not going to move. Both those teams will stay 1 and 2. Then it becomes what's going to be 3 and beyond. State loses, Oregon wins, Ohio State, a little closer shave against Nebraska, but they win. And then Cincinnati, you know, we know their strength of schedule kind of stinks. They did not win going away, but they're 9-0. And I think when you look at where this is going to happen or what's going to happen with these, these new rankings, I know that, that you know, and I talked to my producer about this for the last couple of days, and he's been hard on me on this, which is good because I don't want to be a Michigan homer in this, but I just feel like there is some recency, and we know the committee doesn't want to change the way they've done things. They did put Oregon ahead of Ohio State. Because, you know, Oregon did beat Ohio State. And they had the same record. Uh, just for some information for you, as far as the point spreads go, not that that means everything, but Stephen, my producer, came up with uh, some great info on this. Oregon was an 8.5-point favorite against Stanford, and they lost earlier this year. Purdue was a 3.5-point favorite. And actually, at times, they were a 2.5-point favorite. Um, so, you know, Oregon was definitely a bigger favorite against Stanford and lost. Purdue was not as big of a favorite. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Purdue was a 3.5-point underdog. Um, so... They were much less of an underdog than Stanford was. That was a bigger upset on the Stanford side. But also, you know, not to make an excuse for the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 is kind of garbage. There's a lot of, a lot of, there, there's just, the Pac-12 in recent years has had teams that look good and they, they have terrible losses. It doesn't happen as much in the Big Ten or the SEC and other conferences as it seems to happen in the Pac-12. Stanford, by the way, three and six and two and five in that, as my producer calls it, the mighty Pac-12 North. The S-Man, he's got all the jokes today. So, yes, the Stanford win was a bigger upset than the Purdue win. But let's just talk about what Michigan State had done the week before in beating the Wolverines. And then the, the ensuing week, they go down and they lose to Purdue. That's not the case when it happened with Stanford and Oregon. That was it was like Oregon beat Ohio State and the next week they lost to Stanford. But so that's neither here nor there. I think when you look at this, of course, Michigan State beat Michigan, so you would think they have to be ahead of them. But if you're looking at this thing in real time, I mean, I don't think you could have a, a tie, you know, a tie at 6, 6A, six 6B, six but it seems like these teams are going to be right next to each other. And Michigan beats Indiana. You know, they didn't beat them going away. They covered the spread, but the, the committee doesn't care about the spreads. 
Maybe they do. Maybe some of those guys in the committee, girls in the committee are gamblers. But spreads are just a guideline. And every other team won. So unless, unless the committee still thinks that Michigan State's better than Cincinnati, an undefeated Cincinnati team who, as I mentioned, this it's not their fault they play in a group of five conference. I actually think that Cincinnati is better than a lot of, you know, top-level experts think they are, like, you know, people that work you know, in the committee or analysts. I think Cincinnati is a really good team, and you look at, you know, whether it's what they've had to deal with, uh, you know, with the, the bias against group of five teams. You know, Riddler, their quarterback, has been phenomenal this year. You know, he's thrown for over 2,100 yards. He has 20 touchdowns, and he does have five picks. But listen, the problem with Cincinnati is they have not blown teams away. They beat Tulsa by eight points over the weekend, and since he was a 22-and-a-point favorite, and game day was there, and all the, the hype about that. And, and you look at the last three weeks for Cincinnati, they beat Tulane 31-12. to 12, And I mean, that's, you know, they beat him by 19, but Tulane's terrible. And then the week before that, they beat Navy. Navy's okay. They're not good. They beat Navy by seven. And in that game, Cincinnati was a 28-point favorite. So they've not been impressed in the last three weeks. Before that, they were. They destroyed UCF. They destroyed Temple. They beat Notre Dame on the road. That's obviously their best win of the, of the season. They, you know, had beaten Indiana early in the year. They destroyed Murray State and, and embarrassed Miami of Ohio. So it's not like, and they've got, you know, three games left, South Florida, SMU. SMU's a pretty good team, and then East Carolina. So when you look at the schedule based on what they've done, the Spartans have played better teams. But Cincinnati's 9-0. Michigan State is not undefeated. And I think that Cincinnati is going to jump Michigan State. I think Oregon's going to stay ahead of Ohio State. I think... Ohio State moves up as well. Maybe Cincy will be five now. And then I think you're going to see Michigan State at six, six or seven. I know that based on what the committee has done earlier with the Oregon being ranked ahead of Ohio State because they beat them, they are probably going to keep Michigan State ahead of Michigan. But if, if I, I might be one of the few that says this. Based on just the feel right now and that kind of going away loss, it wasn't like a last-second loss. Purdue kind of put it on Michigan State and just rocked them with those 500-plus yards passing. If Michigan's ranked ahead of Michigan State, even with Michigan State beating them, you can come to me and say, Leach, you're a genius. Because I think there's a possibility. And I understand that it might sound like I'm making Homer reasoning here. I'm just looking at this thing as, you know, this fluid system that we've got with rankings every week, but also something that I talk about a lot on this show, SP plus rankings, which to me are such a great indicator of what teams are and what teams aren't. And just to make that case again, going into this last week, and the new SP Plus rankings will be on ESPN on Tuesday, Michigan, after their loss to Michigan State, was number five. Michigan State, after their win over Michigan, was number 14. The Wolverines had 20.8 points. Michigan State had 15.7. Once again, this isn't the end-all, be-all. I just happen to think that if you look at the last several years, the system that, that Mike Connolly, formerly of Football Outsiders, or excuse me, Bill Connolly, uh, put together, uh, and now it's done on ESPN, it's just one of the best metrics out there. And it really kind of is a guideline for point spread sometimes. You can use it for betting purposes. It's actually, it's, it's beaten the market the last several years when it comes to you looking at a team based on their SP Plus rating and the, the team they're playing and, and then kind of adding in the point spread there and seeing if it all shakes itself out. They've, they've, they've profited. On all games, not just, you know, the big games. So it's it's a pretty good forward-facing metric that I like a lot. It's not everything, but it just shows you that when you look at all the overall stuff, Michigan State was still looked at as a much inferior team, even with them beating Michigan at home, by the way, barely, 
And Michigan outplayed them till the end. And that's, you don't take anything away from Michigan State. They got the job done. Uh, that's, to me, why I would make the case for Michigan being ranked one spot ahead of Michigan State. But it, it's probably not going to happen. We'll see. We'll discuss it as soon as the ratings come out uh, on Tuesday night. And I look forward to doing that. But just, you, you look at the SP Plus rankings, and to have Michigan State that far down after beating the Wolverines, it kind of lets you know, I think, where they're at. And Cincinnati, by the way, is ahead of Michigan State heading into this week, this last weekend's games. They were 10th. Michigan State was 14th. And yes, for my fine, fine producer, the S-Man, uh, just to let people know where Purdue and Stanford was. Well, Stanford's, that game was a while ago. Purdue is way down there, by the way. Way down there. Purdue um, is 46. 46. 7.3 points. 46. But let's see where Stanford is. Remember, that, that win was a few, uh, upset was, was like four or five weeks ago. Stanford is 87. So once again, I mean, I agree. And I agree with Steven on this. The Stanford upset against Oregon was definitely a bigger upset than Purdue against Michigan State. But they're both bad. They're both terrible losses. And, you know, at least for Oregon, when you look at what they had to deal with, that win uh, or loss to Stanford was a while ago. You know, that was back earlier in the season when they first started the uh, when they first started the conference play. So for Oregon, it was, you know, they Oregon in week number two beat the Buckeyes. And then it was all the way in week five that they, you know, lost to Stanford by seven on the road, by the way. Not that it makes it okay. But that was October 2nd. That was over a month ago. Purdue loss was a couple days ago. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that the committee's going to forget about things and think about more stuff in the, in the in the present. But that's just another reason where I feel like there's a chance that Michigan State might end up being behind Michigan. We will see when the CFP rankings come out Tuesday night. And check out those SP rankings when those come out on Tuesday as well. I think you're going to see Michigan stay in the top five. I think Michigan State's going to probably move down, maybe even closer to like 17, 18. And we'll have to see what happens with that as well. All right, I want to throw out some Lions stuff for you when it comes to the future of Jared Goff, what the Lions are going to be looking for in the draft because we know they're going to very likely have the number one pick at worst, maybe number two. We'll get into that straight ahead. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. So, of course, Lions didn't play on Sunday, so you don't have to worry about them embarrassing your, you know, your fandom or frustrating your, your day and saying, ah, oh, I get to watch the Lions for a quarter, and then, you know what, I decided to go rake some leaves or cut the lawn. So we, we had that, at least. You know, a week off of a team that's 0-8, and we'll come back playing Pittsburgh on Sunday. But there's big questions to still be asked. And we're going to continue to answer these and, and ask them throughout the rest of the season and the offseason here on the Detroit City Cast, as, as we always do. And a big question, of course, is what's going to happen with Jared Goff and what needs to happen in the quarterback position for the Lions in this rebuild. And my producer, Steven, brought up a great point about, you know, this is going to probably be a, a longer rebuild than some NFL teams have tried to do in recent years. I mean, you look at the Dolphins, they put out, 
you know, players that weren't going to be good enough to win games, but fought their asses off when they first hired Brian Flores. They've kind of kind of gone a little backwards because of the Tua situation, but they could have done it in, in a couple years, maybe three at most. Other teams have built rebuilds on the fly, like the Ravens in some ways. And, you know, even a team like Pittsburgh, when they've lost guys like Palomalu, they didn't have to like totally rebuild, but they would kind of be down for a minute and, and find a way back in a short period of time. Kind of like the Phillies used to rebuild on the fly. The Lions probably gonna have to do this thing and take their, their I don't want to say sweet-ass time, but it, it could be a four or five-year thing. And as I've said over and over again, and I can't stress this enough, to me as a Lions fan, a lifelong Lions fan, it is so much more important to me, and it should be to you, to have a team, if they need to struggle for three or four years, but that makes them good for a decade, That's that's um, sign me up for that. It, it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's like going to the dentist and, and getting you know cavities drilled, but then you're clean. Then you're filled and you're ready to go. And I don't want the Lions to you know half-ass rebuild and then be good for a year and bad for like five. Uh, good for a couple and bad for seven. That's what we've seen for the last, you know, several decades. Yeah, they were great under Wayne Fonts, went to the playoffs four or five times. They had their moments under Jim Schwartz from 0-16 to playoffs in three years. That was impressive. And then obviously with Caldwell, almost went to the playoffs three times in four years. And then the whole Bob Quinn disaster with Patricia and all that just, you know, nonsense and went completely backward. And then they had to blow the whole thing up. And of course, trade Matt Stafford. I know Stafford had a really rough night last night against Tennessee on Sunday Night Football. But it's about doing this the right way. And I think Brad Holmes, and we don't know for sure yet, he seems like the kind of guy that can do this. He, he's a college drafter. He's not a pro personnel guy. He identified guys like Van Jefferson and Cam Akers. I know he's hurt this year. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald and, and so many others that have been so great for the Rams. That's what the Lions have lacked for a long, long time. They have had GMs that, that knew pro stuff but did, weren't great college evaluators and weren't setting up a great college evaluation team for the Lions. So they didn't draft very well. I mean, think of guys like Jelani Tavai and, you know, Charles Rogers and Mike Williams and so many others. So it's about building through the draft and, and identifying the right players that are going to be here in Detroit long-term. And Goff is obviously one of them. You've got another year with Goff because, the you know, the, the contract with the trade with Matthew Stafford. And the question becomes, is he going to be the guy? And, and much like on Brad Holmes, and we talked about Dan Campbell, we don't know if Dan Campbell's going to be a good coach yet. I like the emotion, but so far no wins. We don't know about Jared Goff fully yet. I know some people think that there's no chance Jared Goff should be around. I want to see how this season finishes. He's had pretty much no weapons whatsoever. DeAndre Swift's been in there, but banged up much of the year. They have no wide receivers to speak of. Yes, maybe in the future, Amon Ross St. Brown could be something. Maybe Cephas could be something. But the Lions have one of the worst wide receiving cores, if not the worst in the NFL. And offensive line injuries, Ragnow's been hurt, Decker's been hurt. All the different things that make it so much tougher for a quarterback to play well. And Goff, at times, has looked okay. And the Lions played well against teams like Baltimore and San Francisco and some others. But overall, I don't think Goff is probably going to be the answer. But we don't know that yet. So the question is, okay, do you want to go the route of drafting someone in this upcoming draft when you had guys like Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell that looked like consensus top five picks that now might not even be drafted in the first round? I think Sam Howell still will, but Spencer Rattler got benched in Oklahoma. Do you want to do that? You want to maybe look at 2023 as far as quarterbacks go? I think there's a better crop of quarterbacks that season. And you also have the other option of, of looking at, you know, finding a, a stopgap like Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, someone like that, even a, a Jared Goff type player from another team. And, and the other thing about Jared Goff that I forget is 
He is 26 years old, went to a Super Bowl a few years ago, won a playoff game last year. He's an overall number one pick. It doesn't mean that he's dead. Doesn't mean he has no chance to turn it around. That's why I want to continue to evaluate him throughout the rest of this season. But the feeling I'm getting is again, Jared Goff's not the long term solution. But I was on air on the Lions flagship 97 won the ticket the night that Stafford got traded. I, I literally, we were coming out of a game and went right to live coverage as the deal had just gotten broken. And I remember likening being a big poker player myself, Jared Goff getting him here in Detroit as having pocket aces. Not saying that Jared Goff is pocket aces, but that you've got all these options. You can fold. You can just, I mean, not even fold aces, but you can just call. You can go all in. You can lead out with a $30 bet. There's all these different options you have with a guy like Goff where, yeah, maybe it doesn't look like, especially after what we've seen in the last several weeks, that he's going to be the guy that's any kind of long-term solution. But there's a possibility that could happen. Then there's a possibility he's here, you know, tutor a young quarterback, a la Rodgers and Farver. You know, Montana and Young and Jackson and Flacco and so many others. There's so many different options you have with Jared Goff that it's not time to start worrying about is it time to get rid of him because he's still under contract for, uh, you know, another season after this year. But there is a big question mark about what the Lions are going to do with him and then obviously what they're going to do with, I think, likely the number one pick in the draft. Is there a chance the Lions start going on some kind of weird 2-3 game, uh, you know, run? Probably not, but, you know, it's the NFL. We just had some of the craziest upsets in one weekend, as you'll see in, in the last 10 years of the NFL, with the Jags beating the Bills, and the Broncos at one point up 30 to nothing on the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas and Tennessee with no Derrick Henry as uh, over a touchdown dog kind of making the Rams and Stafford look silly last night. So, you know, you never know. But I think the Lions will probably have the number one pick, at worst, number two. And Thibodeau from LSU, or for, uh, from Oregon, excuse me, is the consensus. Um, you know, a lot of people have him at number one in the draft. Walter Football is a great site that I, I, I like to use. They do a great job of identifying, you know, draft talent, and that's what they have. Uh, you know, Matt Corral, the, the QB from Ole Miss, is looked at as a, as a consensus top five pick. I don't think that's the right guy for the Lions. I like him, though. And you've got other pieces at the top, I mean, there's Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh, if you want to go offensive, uh, Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. And, and there's some others that the Lions will have options to get. But you can't be impatient. You've got to let these things pay out. And the, the question becomes, do you want to you know, keep golf around and kind of see what he can do over the next year or two? Or you know for sure if you're Brad Holmes, he's not the guy we're going to start looking at stop gaps for the future and getting that Andy Dalton type player or, you know, a, a, a Sam Darnold type player down the road. I'm not saying legitimately Sam Darnold himself, but what Carolina's trying to do after he was cast off for the Jets, there are options there. But this is a conversation to continue to have throughout the season, but not really start to get serious about until after at least one full year of Jared Goff in Detroit. They played eight games. You still have half the year left. Still time to evaluate that. And then, of course, you have another year on the contract. The Lions are in a fine position here because they've got time for this rebuild. You can't rush this thing. The fans need to be patient. And identifying the next quarterback, the next long-term quarterback, that is going to be probably the most important thing that Brad Holmes does. Will it be Jared Goff? Probably very unlikely. Will it be a stopgap before you draft somebody? Will it be trying to get a, a you know a younger free agent that could come in and, and you know, I'm not, I don't want to say that I want the Lions to get to attack of Aloha, but someone like that that you believe in could be the guy to lead this team. And then I think the most likely thing is the Lions are going to draft a quarterback. 
So somebody just to keep your, your mind on as a Lions fan throughout this year and love to hear people's thoughts on where they're at with Jared Goff because, yeah, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been god-god-awful. And earlier in the season, with the lack of weapons he had, I think Goff played some decent football. But of course, the last couple of weeks in that game against the Bengals was disgusting. And, you know, things have got to get better for there to be a, a, a whisper of Goff being the guy, at least for the next two or three or four years, the Lions were even going to consider extending him, which I would say at this point is very unlikely. So keep your minds on that. Keep, you know, being fair with your assessment and don't just don't be reactionary because Jared Goff's not Matt Stafford. And I know that Matt Stafford had a bad game on Sunday Night Football, but come on. Stafford's been great this year. He's got like 110-plus passer rating. The Rams are definitely a legitimate Super Bowl threat. I think Matt Stafford will be fine. And it goes back to my whole point about Stafford for years, that he was the least of the Lions' problems. Is Stafford Tom Brady? Is Stafford Aaron Rodgers? Well, he's vaccinated, so he's not Aaron Rodgers. Is Sta- you know what I'm saying. I'm kidding. Is Stafford, uh, you know, Big Ben? No, he doesn't have to be. He's one of the elitist quarterbacks in the NFL, and I miss him as a Lions fan, but it was time to move on from him. And now the Lions got to identify the next quarterback. Hopefully he can take them for a long stretch of success. I know that sounds like a, a crazy statement. A long stretch of success for the Lions. What has it ever happened? I mean, for like five years in the 90s? A couple years here and there? One playoff win since 57? All right, we'll stop at that. Thanks so much for listening. we got a big week ahead for you here on the Detroit CityCast. Continue to subscribe and share and tell your cousin and your cousin's roommates and former girlfriends and best friends and everyone to listen to the Detroit CityCast. We love it. We love connecting with you each and every day. So until next time, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. I'm Dan Leach saying so long. Peace. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.